0: I'm your host, Autumn Champong. On this podcast, I will share stories from my life and conversations with friends about living on mission in the in-between spaces of life. We all know that in seasons of joy and sorrow, excitement and fear, worry and peace, the both and, God can use and grow us in some pretty beautiful ways. I hope you will join in listening as we go on a journey through the in-between together. On this week's episode, we will be chatting with my friends, Mike and Holly Mills. Mike and Holly have been serving full-time in ministry for 23 years, 17 years in church and camp ministry based in Colorado, and six years serving full-time at Rawhide Ranch, a youth camp in Southern California. They have three girls, Eden, Navy, and Ember. They are an outgoing couple, packed with passion, musical talent, great senses of humor, and undeniable hearts for the Lord. I'm so thrilled that we get to chat with them today. A note for the audio. This podcast is recorded in my home at the City of Refuge Ministries Children's Village Campus. With that comes the challenge of sometimes wavering internet connection and the background noises of chickens and children. Enjoy! Enjoy! Welcome, Yay! Mike and Holly, to the Storied In-Between podcast. Yay! Woo-hoo! Applause. Woo-hoo. woo Applause! Woo! So we are in a series on missional living, which means living with the mission of Jesus in mind and what that looks like in our in-between seasons of life. So I'd love for you, Mike and Holly, to introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about what you guys do day-to-day in your day-to-day lives. Oh. Well.
1: I guess I'll go first. My name is Holly Mills, and I have many hats I wear in my day-to-day life. I have three kids I homeschool, and I am also a professional photographer and a high school and college basketball official, so I'm usually running from one thing to the next every day. (laughs) You're a busy lady. Juggling them, all my balls that are in the air. Mm-hmm. And my favorite job is being a wife to Mike.
2: <laughs> it's a job. Okay, cool guy. It's a job. <laughs> well, um, I'm Mike Mills and I am currently a director at Rawhide ranch, which is a kid's summer camp. And well, actually we do camps year round, uh, but it's a horse camp, uh, in Southern California. And we have been here at the ranch for about four and a half years now. And, um uh, yeah, so my job entails a lot of different, uh, a lot of different things. I, I kind of I refer to myself as the Swiss Army knife at the camp because yeah. <laughs> I don't just have, I don't just have one job. I get to do a lot of things, which is good for my personality. I don't get to, um, I don't get bored with the monotony of doing the same thing over and over. Uh, but uh, that's that, re- that's pretty much most of my time. That's not uh, with the family is is uh, working um, at at the camp we live on the property so that's uh that is also an adventure when you walk out your door and you're at work that's exactly Um, it (laughs) yeah there's there's about 25 people who live on the property as well so we have uh, a little community of people living Mm here
0: tell us what made you guys move to colorado
2: well, we uh, we had been working where where we're working now at Rawhide Ranch, and it had been a Christian owned and operated camp at that point for thirty something years. And mm-hmm. we, I had been here for about uh, twelve years, um, and Holly and I had been married at that point for uh, about a year and a half, I think. At that point, and uh, the the ranch was sold to a group of investors. I had for a number of years felt called to. Uh, to more of a church ministry and preaching. Uh, mm-hmm. I did a chapel here at the camp, and I really felt how God was using that little chapel yeah. time, speaking to Girl Scouts uh, mm. as a really powerful um, ministry. And I, and I, you know, ministry, I, I always tell people, it's kind of addictive when you when you recognize, hey, God used me. When somebody yeah. comes up to you after after you share with them and they're in tears because
3: mm-hmm.
2: whatever it was you said touched their life, Mm -hmm. Um, that's something you go like, I, I think this is important and this is, this is a good thing. So, uh, basically at that point I started, uh, put together a resume, sent it out to, oh, who knows how many dozens and dozens of churches (laughs) that were looking for youth ministers. Uh, I only had two interviews. So, uh, the second interview was the, the little church in, in Colorado and, uh, And there was, they had their little search team and it was like, we were talking with old friends just right away. Mm, um, mm. We kind of clicked with them. Uh, You know, the camp that we were at is a a horse camp, we do a lot of, you know, cowboy stuff and Mm -hmm, there were mm -hmm. cattle ranchers on the search team who were, you know, one of the first questions one of them asked me was, have you ever pulled a calf? (laughs) You know, and I said, well, I don't think I pulled a calf, but I pulled a couple horses and pulled a couple goats. And he said, you're hired, you know, Um, (laughs) but, but we just, we, I think we just really hit it off. And uh, Mm. so they invited us out and, uh, and when, when we went, um, I, I, it was one of those things that early in our marriage, I really got to understand the blessing of having a, a godly spouse who's seeking the Lord. Because yeah. we went and interviewed and I was like, I just don't know. I just mm. don't know if this is the place. I wasn't feeling mm. like God was telling me and Holly just said, This is this is it. This mm. is this is where we're supposed to be. And I really had this this uh this is the I guess it was a lesson and just like I, I often say, It's nice to have two antennas, you know. There's <laughs> yeah. there's two of us two of us tapping into the Holy Spirit rather exactly. than just me trying to discern on my own to be able to say, mm-hmm. Okay, you know what? I, I respect her walk with the Lord and I'm, we're going, we're, we're going to go because she, she knows, even though I don't. She feels certain. Yeah. So that's, that's basically how we, how we ended up there.
0: That's amazing. That's really cool. So, um, part of my podcast is about like how in a lot of seasons, they can be both joyful and a little scary. And, you know, holding kind of that tension um, in in both hands is part of what makes us grow as people, as believers. And so I was just wondering, yeah, what were some of your both-and experiences when you were working at this little country church in Paonia, Colorado?
1: Um. It was a, a big life change for us learning yeah. to live in a tiny town mm-hmm. with people that had <clears throat> had like five generations living there, and there was a lot of joy in experiencing the small, the small church atmosphere where everybody was in everybody's business, mm-hmm. and there were no secrets, there was no privacy, and it was it was hard at times, but it was also it it was a joyful experience being able to mm. experience that kind of intimacy with the people you're serving. Yeah. And, um, we love the kids seeing the kids that we were working with everywhere we went held us to a, a accountability that we hadn't really mm. faced before. Mm-hmm. And there was, I, I, just, I just only remember joy. Of course, that's how it is when you think of things in the past, you typically, yeah, you always look back hard and you're stuff. like, Oh, that was I so mean, sweet. Yeah. Yeah, there was hard stuff like mm. not privacy. We lived in the church mm-hmm. parsonage, and yeah. people would just walk in our house <laughs> without knocking.
2: The church, the church owns it, so I, have, I can walk right in. Yeah. Right, might yeah. as well.
1: And yeah, people would donate their stuff they didn't want anymore to the house. Mm-hmm. So we had a stove that only had two burners that worked out of the four, <laughs> and just different things like that. Right. It, there was some tough, but some blessing. I, I definitely have great memories of. That time in our life. Mm, that's awesome. Um, getting to know the kids and doing life with them was the biggest part. Yeah. 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 It was
0: always fun for me. Like, I mean, I wasn't part of the youth group because I had, w- was already out of the home, but just getting to see my sister kind of so encouraged by that time. And it was a transformational period in her life. So I know that you guys made a big difference to the kids that you were doing life with on a day to day basis. Yeah, it's really sweet. So pastoring in a small community does require some work to make connections with youth. So how did you see your role as missional?
2: Well, that was for me, that was really hard because Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't there were some things about myself that I just didn't realize because Mm -hmm. I worked I worked at a camp where Mm -hmm. everybody came to me. I didn't have yeah. to go find anybody. Yeah. Um, at the church I went to was I don't know 2500 people plus, who knows. I mean right. it, was, it was a mega church. And so I didn't know anybody there, but it didn't it, I wasn't going there for for the church community. I was just going yeah. for my worship time and and right. some Bible teaching and then I'd come home and I had my kind of church community where I worked. Mm. And so going to the small town, it really revealed to me a lot of my own like insecurities and uh intro mm. the 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 introvert nature that I have you know mm-hmm. and so so um the the hard part for me is like just going going out and and meeting people because before. Mm-hmm. Uh, everybody that came to camp knew me. The first person yeah. they met when they got to camp, I was the guy up front saying, "Hi, my name's Mike." Now everybody right. knows me, and when I walk around, everybody knew who I was. Hi, Mike. And now I'm in this small town where nobody knows who, yeah. who I am, and yeah. uh, it was a big dynamic change. The good mm-hmm. thing is that I'm, I'm married to Holly, who um, <laughs> it's like
0: Uber outgoing.
2: <laughs> so we had this we had this big swap where at camp she was, you know, Mike's wife, and then mm-hmm. for for the next. Well, since I've been Holly's husband, <laughs> you
1: <know>. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> definitely put us together. Our strengths are different. Um, yeah, as a pastor's wife, everybody assumes that I want to come speak at their event, or mm-hmm. and or be teach their kids, and mm-hmm. it's like a big. It was a big thing for me. Like mm-hmm. just because I'm married to a guy that teaches does not mean I have that gift. We right. found in the years that he has the gift. He's an introvert, so mm-hmm. if you approach him, he's good talking to you, but he's not going to go approach you. And right. me, I will go approach people and talk to mm-hmm. people in the crowd, but you want me in front of them, and my knees start shaking, and yeah. my voice gets scratchy, and I get nervous. <laughs> and so, in the town, you know, he was happy to stay in the little house and hide, hide except on the times when c- people came to us on Sundays or Wednesdays, right. when it was really a good stretching time for him. mm And me too, to go out, we would need to go to, we went to sporting events at the the high school and choir Mm -hmm. events. And Mm -hmm. we ended up meeting a few other youth pastors in town and Mm. other youth pastors in towns farther away through Mm -hmm. our camp because we took the kids to a camp every summer. And so we met Mm -hmm. a bunch of people and we learned how to work with other ministries and reach out. So a lot of times during that year, we had between 60 and 100 people in our little church in our tiny town. And our youth yeah. group ranged between eight kids at the beginning, all the way up mm-hmm. to 60 at one point. Yeah, that's
0: amazing. And
1: none of the kids, almost none of the kids after your sister grew up and graduated. Mm-hmm. And the kids from that first youth group, most of the kids didn't even go to our church. Right. It was just community. They you enjoyed know, the community, community. community youth group, basically. Yeah. Yeah, so we had to do a lot of getting to know kids. And actually, it yeah. was like my favorite part of my life was that time. Yeah, just
0: yeah. Being with kids. Yeah. Spending time getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, a big part of ministry really is that discipleship component. And um, a lot of youth groups tend to focus on like entertainment, like, woo, flashy and um, but so much of what needs to happen is just helping kids to know who Jesus is and to know his word. And um, I think you guys were really good at that. So tell us what, like, what did you guys do to tackle that need of discipleship?
2: Well, initially, when we went there, I I had never, I'd never gone to, I hadn't been a part of a church other than just sitting in two different mega churches that I went to. Mm, So mm. it was, that was a big learning experience. And and as far as youth group goes, I went to a youth group for a couple of years in high school, but it was, the Bible was not discussed. It was Mm -hmm, just kind mm -hmm. of a a get together party with your friends. Right. And so when I went in the, the church leadership basically said, we're hiring you because we don't know how to do this. Mm. And I was kind of along the lines of like, I don't know how to do this either, but I know, Mm -hmm. I know how to, I know kids because I've I've done that forever. So I kind of put together uh, my, my plan of attack. And one mm-hmm. of the things I wrote in there was um, everything needs to have a, a reason. You know, I don't want to just mm. go miniature golfing. I want to have, I want to have a spiritual component uh, yeah. to it. And, and very quickly I threw that out because mm. I realized that going miniature golfing m- might not have a spiritual component, but being that we're in the small town that was 30 miles from the nearest miniature golf course. mm mm-hmm. That meant I got to spend an hour in a van in with an, a, you know yeah. with with these kids, and that was some of our greatest uh, discipleship time was or relationship building time was was all these trips and traveling. But mm-hmm. um, after probably with, within the first few months, I, I I realized I was doing kind of what I think a lot of youth groups do, and I was spending hours and hours and hours planning my activities and spending an hour on my lesson and hmm. I realized that that was not what I wanted to do and so I I kind of tossed that aside and said this is what I'm going to do I'm going to I'm going to teach through a book of the Bible starting at chapter 1 verse 1 and I'm going to spend way way less time coming up with games and activities hmm. uh, and uh, and the good thing was you know we had a small group where we had eight or nine kids and we didn't start off with that. We started off with like twenty,
4: uh, mm-hmm.
2: but we we I think we came on pretty serious about what we were doing, and we about half of them said like, no, th- these people are these <laughs> people are her. nuts. They're too. <laughs> so, uh, but the but but the ones that stuck around, mm-hmm. um, I think that the the thing that was unique about them was they were very um, welcoming. They were mm-hmm. very into the lesson, and they were very into the games, and so. Mm the The thing that would happen was kids would come and they would just meld into that and we and as long as we just added one or two at a time, we just kept that, yeah, the, where the kids were serious about the lesson, they were serious about the worship, they were serious about the games,
1: mm-hmm. and the lessons were usually forty five minutes long he He wasn't a short teacher, yeah, uh, and they would sit because we had that core group of kids that were mm-hmm. into it taking notes and paying attention. Mm-hmm. the other kids followed suit. Right, and when we, right.
2: when, and there were a few times where we had a bunch of new, like eighth graders and I would tell the kids like, okay, are my lessons going to be shorter for a little while? Cause we got to build them up to where right. they're, they <laughs> understand capacity. how to, yeah, you know, they got to get get back to some milk before we start mm-hmm. tossing chunks of meat at them. Yeah. But, but really so much of the discipleship stuff that when I first started off, I got a couple of programs cause I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this is a discipleship program. Mm-hmm. But but I I never liked him. It wasn't really yeah. my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the most effective discipleship we had was those kids that we just lived with, the ones that hung out on our mm-hmm. couch.
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: uh, you know, and I've I've often said that that uh, it, you know Jesus discipleship was guys living with him, following him everywhere he went.
3: Mm-hmm. Exactly. It
2: wasn't a program. It wasn't a notebook. Um, mm-hmm. I know he had a plan. Uh, but but uh the biggest part was demonstrating it life them seeing
3: mm-hmm. Christian
2: people living out their Christianity for them. Which un yeah. yeah, which for unfortunately for a lot of young people what we discovered is their parents were going to church but they weren't they weren't living it out every day. And mm-hmm. so what they kind of saw was this this act, you know, mm-hmm. sadly of mm-hmm, you're know, mm-hmm. your one thing at home and you're one thing at church right. and when we we desperately did not want to, to be that
3: mm-hmm.
1: yeah. yeah and eventually those kids that we did life with um, I started what we called a core group that mm. met a half hour before youth group and those kids mm. I met with them while Mike was getting ready for youth group and we mm-hmm. talked um, we had a list of kids that were coming to youth group and th- we prayed for all those kids and then we talked That's about amazing. our uh, what we were going to do, like have a plan mm-hmm. of action. Their job mm-hmm. was to go out. They kind of assigned themselves each a couple of kids and they would go out and reach out to those kids and talk to them mm-hmm. during the week and during youth group. And they kind of made their own disciples. Does that make sense? It's like, yeah, we studied absolutely. and then they went out and they, they were in ministry in our youth group. Right. That I usually mm-hmm. had, and that's the I whole goal usually... of discipleship. right? Yeah. I have usually yeah. about six to ten kids in that group. And so they were our core group. And so after building that discipleship with them, they be, they took it on as their ministry to
0: mm-hmm. be
1: little youth ministers inside our youth group and yeah. at school.
0: And at school. Right. Places where you might not actually get to go all mm-hmm. the time. So mm-hmm.
3: and that's I, really and cool. And I did
1: like keep them accountable in their um, daily devotions. So they mm-hmm. if they were in that group. They committed to spend time with God every day.
3: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we talked
1: about it, that kind of thing. That's really cool, and I like that. Like you both had a
0: role in helping to disciple the kids. Like this was something you both chose as a married couple, not just like Mike's being hired as the youth pastor and Holly's along for the ride. <laughs> you both had a role in speaking into the lives of the kids. That's really so powerful.
2: Yeah, that's that's absolutely. Um... I, I think it's one of those things that, that I I didn't realize at first because, again, I was coming from this camp situation where I everybody knew me. I was very comfortable. I'd been doing it since I was 17 and mm-hmm. to a situation where I'll, I I became much more aware of how, how great it was to have relational people. Uh, mm-hmm. My wife being very relational where I could be the guy up front and talk to mm-hmm. the whole group, but she was the one that, you know, when kids walked in the door was telling them she loved them and giving them hugs and all that kind of stuff that makes me feel very uncomfortable um (laughs) and so you know when when we had and a lot of that i didn't realize until we had our 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 kids and she wasn't there as much and then Mm -hmm. i realized there was this gaping hole in that that personal touch um Mm -hmm. and so it's just you know it's one of those blessings of seeing how god put us together to do what he's called us to do
0: yeah that's really cool so, after a while, you guys ended up transitioning out of a little little church um, in Paonia and then moving to kind of like a younger church in a bigger town um, in Montrose, Colorado. Tell us what that like transitional season um looks like, and what did God teach you in that move
1: that move was that move was a little hard we really mm. we really loved our ministry in Paonia. Mm-hmm. And, um, God is very faithful to me personally. He, he likes to tell me a little, usually ahead of time, what he's going to do. In that mm-hmm. case, I was roughing basketball and, um, we lived in Paonia we roughing basketball in Montrose, about 50 miles from there. And one mm-hmm. day I was driving through the town and God's like, you're going to live here someday. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay. And then I didn't really mm-hmm. think anything about, about it. And then a youth pastor friend of ours from another from another town that we'd met at camp and worked with for years. He had started Mm -hmm. a church plant in Montrose and uh, he contacted Mike and I and said that he felt like God was calling us to calling him to move on to a different ministry. He was, he always often moved, changed ministries like every few years and Mm. uh, said, asked us if we would be interested in possibly taking over his church plant there in Montrose. And it was mm. um it was hard it was a hard change for us because we mm. were used to working with teenagers adults yeah. can be a little more difficult mm-hmm. I know a lot of people youth, uh, teenagers get a bad rap because parenting a teenager is hard yeah. <laughs> but hanging out with teenagers out that with are them not is yours fun <laughs> is fun and yeah. and it and, and it's fun it's easy you relate to them differently than you do adults and so mm-hmm. it was a big change for me when we started at this new church. We had two little kids. We had a one-year-old and a three-year-old daughter Ooh, who were yeah, well loved change. at our church. Everybody mm-hmm. knew them and loved them. And and um, we moved to this church where none of the teenagers knew us, and it was a, it was a hard transition for me personally. I was really lonely mm-hmm. the first year mm-hmm. or so that we were in Montrose with my small children. I remember nobody in our church really had kids my kids' age. Mm-hmm. and they were busy with their own stuff. So I remember mm-hmm. being at the park and meeting people. I felt like I was stalking moms at the park because <laughs> oh, I was like, me. I need a friend. You know, <laughs> yeah. we would get talking and be great. And then they would leave. Okay. Bye. And, and I'd be like, Oh, <laughs> no. I need a friend. Yeah. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> oh, uh, one lady so was hard. like, let me have your phone number. And yeah. she would text me, invite me to stuff. And I really got mm. me going. And then I joined a mops group from a different church. Mm-hmm. I mean, in that town, and um, mm-hmm. and it was just a slow process, lonely process for me personally. Yeah. God just had to. It was a process. God showed me it was a process of getting LinkedIn and um. A church is people, and it's mm-hmm. not just a building or a group. So right. learning, and at that point, learning, um, our church was not just the people that we worshipped with on Sunday. It was all mm-hmm. the people, all the Christians. In Montrose, mm-hmm. were our mm-hmm. church family, were the body of mm-hmm. Christ, and so we learned. I think that was the biggest thing we learned. Is when we moved there, was that we are the church, right? And so I was involved in ministries and probably two or three other churches in town, mm. but I didn't at first. I was trying to get everything I needed from our tiny little, you know, church plant, a brand new baby church.
2: Yeah, and the the other thing is that when we started there, we started there in July but we were still living 50 miles away trying to sell our house. And so we didn't actually move to town for until November. So uh, yeah, so it was it was almost 6 months oh, of us yeah, not a living long there.
0: Time. Yeah. So
2: we would we would go over there on Sunday
0: mm-hmm.
2: and I would drive over we had a like a town event I think it was on Tuesday nights that I would drive over and so it was hard because I went with this excitement of like, okay, I'm the new guy in town. I, it's a mm-hmm. new church. I can do some stuff to kind of promote this. And,
3: mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and
2: then I didn't, I wasn't able to, it just, yeah. it just didn't kind of happen. Uh, right. but there, yeah, there were, there were a lot of challenges. We were replacing a guy who was loved. Um, mm. and it wasn't like he, mm. uh, and and he planted the church. So a lot of the people were, people that he had built these relationships with yep. and so when he announced to his church that we were going to be the new pastors and he was stepping down uh, probably a third of those people we never saw again like wow. they they just they just were like no he's not here we'll, we're not we'll find here
0: somewhere else yeah um,
2: yeah so so there was some there was some there were some challenges like holly said mm. she had just it taken a long time in in peonia because being in a small town and our church was mostly older people
3: mm-hmm. and at that
2: point she was in her 20s there was she was the only one in our church in mm-hmm. her 20s and oh so or, and to build up kind of a peer group it took a few years to meet people and so she had done that and and mm-hmm. then we moved and so it was like starting over um and a big part of my goal at that point was i'm going to do whatever i need to do to, to get her in a position where she can, where she can do that, where she can go to 18 different Bible studies or women's groups or children's <laughs> groups, or whatever. Can build so that, that she community can, fast. So that she can, yeah. she can build that, that, that community of relationships. So mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, so hard. That sounds like such a tough transition.
2: We, we knew we were supposed to be there and that's kind of yep. been the MO of our entire ministry life is that God has shown us each step mm-hmm. like this is what we're doing. So there's never mm-hmm. been like a, a you know there's never been like we just we 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 blew it, let's go find something else. It's yeah it's been like, okay, yeah. let's put our heads down and all right, Lord, you got us here. Figure, it, let's out. figure yeah. it out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the funny thing that some people think like um you know when God calls you into something, sometimes we think, Oh God called us, then it's gonna be easy. But
1: It's not, (laughs) it's it's not easy. And I think a lot of people, that's why pastors only often last youth pastors, especially 18 Mm -hmm. months is because you get over the honeymoon stage in a Mm -hmm. ministry. Mm -hmm. um, And then it gets down to the nitty gritty and Mm -hmm. it gets a little harder. And that's when you need to press through and say, I'm staying here until God clearly says it's time to go. And I know that for us, it's, he's never told us to go when things are hard. Yeah, well, that's when most people think, oh, he must say it's time to go because it's hard because there's hard. opposition yep. for us. It's it's not the time to go when there's opposition. It's time yeah. to go when God says it's time to go. And it's usually mm-hmm. when things are great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you don't and really that, want to because it, you love it. <laughs> exactly. And that's what builds resilience. Right. That's what makes us stronger and healthier. And as people is when we push through. I mean, that's why God calls us to persevere. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I'm sure you know. I'm sure you've yeah. had some tough times living in a yeah. foreign country. <laughs> 12 years living in a place
0: that never fully feels like home is, yeah, always always a little bit challenging. But just like you guys said, like, if there's no call to be released, then you push through those tough times. And then you see sunshine on the mm-hmm. other side. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And there's always growth. There's always growth. So. hmm So I know you guys like were pastoral in ministry, but you also like worked a ton. I feel like I was always seeing you guys doing all these different jobs. And I think that that can be sometimes really hard. I don't know what it was like for you guys, but um, ministry in itself can lead to a lot of burnout, a lot of exhaustion. I mean, you're like in the people Mm -hmm. business, like it's hard work working with people all the time. And then then you're also having to provide in other ways because maybe the church isn't making enough or to support your family. What was that like for you guys? Like, yeah, what was that like?
1: <laughs> it was, I mean, we had less expenses in, like when he was a youth pastor. He didn't make very much, but um, we worked, I worked some part-time jobs when we were there. But mm-hmm. in Montrose, when they asked us to come on, they almost didn't want to because they couldn't afford to pay us. Mm-hmm. Uh, hardly at all. It was a small church, and mm-hmm. the thing is, there there were about the same amount of people as the Paonia Church, but the difference was it was all young, poor families for right. the most part. Right. There was one or two families, I mean, older, like more mature, that were more settled in their finances, and I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. they carried the church mm-hmm. for the most part. But it was not enough to pay us. Uh, living mm-hmm, wage mm-hmm. by any means. Yeah. So by we had we're, min- <laughs> <pastor. You> were <laughs> by vocational pastor. We're by multiple, multiple. try not uh, just yeah by vocational like, yeah, pastor. I <laughs> mean um, yeah, I counted with that last year that we were in Montrose. I think Mike had four different jobs and oh, I had gosh. four different jobs oh, that my we gosh. did. Then um, I had my children, which I homeschooled and. Mm-hmm. And at, towards the end, I, took, I was a hobbyist photographer, and I just did it for friends. And my friends knew that we were struggling financially, and they're like, you need to start charging,
3: which yeah, is hard seriously. for me. I you're, hate you're great at charging
1: it. people. <laughs> I hate charging people for that. It felt like it was my ministry, and it was too mm. fun to charge people yeah. for that. And so they yeah. kind of forced me into that. And then we also started Teaching music. I mean, in Peonia, we taught all of our youth group kids how to play instruments, and we Mm -hmm, formed a band. mm -hmm. And so, as they showed an interest, we taught them. So Mike Mm -hmm. and I started teaching music lessons, guitar, and drums, and ukulele, Mm -hmm. and such to Mm -hmm. kids. That's another one. And uh, basketball refereeing is something Mm -hmm. that I did, but Mike did some construction work, right?
2: Yeah, I did. I had I had my own business that that. was was something? It, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, a neat story to me, which was that when we took the job in in, in Montrose at the, as the, the pastor of the church, like Holly said, that they told us like we don't we we'd love for you to come, but we don't think we can a- ask you because we can't pay you, and we don't think that's right. And mm. I said, Well, this is what God's called us to do. We have no question about that. So Right. He's gonna He's gonna provide for us. And mm-hmm. I had a I had a guitar that was an electric guitar and a lot of I, guitars. I, I had a lot of guitars. But <laughs> I had one in particular that I had lent to somebody and and Holly said, You've got that guitar, why don't you sell it? Because you never mm. play it. So I said, Okay. So I went to look at it and the person that borrowed it had scratched the back of it all up. And so I was oh all mad. Goodness. Yeah. And I just said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take this apart and I'm going to sell the parts that aren't that aren't messed up. Mm. And I ended up selling the parts for substantially more than what the guitar was worth. The guitar by was itself. worth.
0: Oh my gosh, that's amazing!
2: And <laughs> so then I was I was on a website where people buy and sell and trade guitar parts, and I saw mm-hmm. some of the same parts I'd just sold for a hundred dollars for like fifty dollars. So I said, mm.
3: well,
2: I'm going to buy those and sell them. And so yeah. I did that, and I and I just kept doing that. And then mm. the Chaco Sandal Company and Peonia was mm-hmm. moving to China or wherever they decided mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I used my, my guitar parts money and I bought 20 pairs of Chacos. Mm. And then I went and I put them on eBay and I sold them all. And mm-hmm. we were, when we were just about to move to Montrose, I looked at my PayPal account and I said to Holly, I added up like all the stuff I bought. And I said, you know, we've got about, I've turned that guitar in the last year into like $5,000.
0: Wow, <laughs>
2: what if we invest some of our savings in this, and I just do this, yeah, um, full time? And I said, I think, I think if I had twenty thousand dollars in inventory, we could live off of that. And she was kind of mm. like, "Are you sure? Yeah. That's a lot of this money. This sounds a lot." So that scary. was so that was November, and so so I took like another five thousand dollars out of our savings, and on January first, when I added up my inventory, uh, we had twenty thousand dollars worth of stuff. Wow. You know, in, in that one month. And so doubled, that, yeah. that supported us. that first year that we were at Montrose, that I made more money doing that than I'd ever mm. made at any job I'd ever had mm. in that year. Mm. In the, in my first year of not having an official job. And so, Isn't that how God that, works? <laughs> you know, the money provide. follows vision. You know, you just yep. you, you just do what he's called you to do. So mm-hmm. that that supported us for for a few years and uh, probably probably five years we lived off of that. And then the last couple, I started doing other things. Yeah, that
1: business went down. People stopped buying. Yeah, the
2: the, the mm-hmm. trends in the industry changed, of and I just yeah, I, I was tired of spending all day shopping. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, and so I started I started doing you're other I started doing other <laughs> things. But but really, the the hard part about that is, in in statistically speaking, churches that have, bivocational vocational pastors don't don't have the same growth as as churches that don't because you're my my. My uh, focus. My focus was greatly divided. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, yeah, there were there course. were opportunities that we probably could have taken, but I just didn't have the time to split that yeah. many mm-hmm. ways.
1: In Peonia, we were he only youth minister, for mm-hmm. him. right? And so we spent 100 percent right. of our time doing that. Right. And once we were, he was the head pastor. We spent probably a quarter of our time doing that.
0: Yeah.
4: Yeah,
2: and, and I was it's doing the youth hard. ministry for the first five five years. I think I was doing the youth ministry myself
4: hmm. and,
2: you know, with, and without the, me. and the church stuff. Yeah. Without, without Holly, it was just me. Um, hmm. and, uh, and so it was just, it was, it was different. Um, yeah. but, uh, you know, that it, it, you know, God always provided always. Yeah, you know, We always yeah. had way more than we needed always. Mm-hmm. Hmm.
0: Way more. So how did you like <laughs> yeah, way more? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, how did you like, um, maintain your excitement for the Lord when you're like, so divided, you know what I mean? Like your attention is Mm -hmm. a little bit everywhere. How did you, how did you stay excited to be a pastor and lead this church?
2: There's Mm -hmm. a huge burden on pastors that people that aren't pastors don't realize. Yeah. Uh, One of those is that like, I still, even though I'm not a pastor, I still get daily ads on you on Facebook telling me this new technique to grow your church.
4: Mm-hmm. You know, grow your mm-hmm. church
2: grow your church if your church mm-hmm. isn't big you're doing something wrong right that was the that was the message i was constantly being bombarded with if you're mm-hmm. not big you're doing something wrong mm-hmm. but the mm-hmm. good thing that i would realized in my from my youth ministry previously was when we had like 20 or less kids the first three years or so
4: mm-hmm. we
2: know those to this day we know those kids when mm-hmm. we had 40 to 60 kids I didn't know those kids. And, to, and now I don't know those kids. Those yeah. kids that, that sought me out or sought relationships with us, mm-hmm. those are the kids we know. Because when you've got 60 kids and you've got two hours on a Wednesday night and you're yeah. doing a 40-minute lesson or a 20-minute game, if you talk to every kid for a minute, yeah, that, that's all you got. And, <laughs> yeah, and even then, you, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. And so I, I understood when I was a, a pastor, like, you know what? Having a giant church doesn't mean I'm more effective.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it might, it might stroke my ego. Like, Oh, mm-hmm. look at all these people that are coming mm-hmm. to hear me talk. But I, I, I recognize that like, I, we've got to be able to minister to the people we have. Yeah. If we, if we can't do that, we don't want more people. Um, so as far as a lot of things that burn out pastors, I think are um, some of them are a lot of pastors try to be Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I, I, that's not me. Um I, I was I'm like he's the senior pastor, I'm the associate pastor. Yeah. My job is to point you to him. When yep. you come to me saying, I want tell me what to do and I say, Well, are you reading your Bible? Are you spending are you spending time with Jesus every day? No. Well yeah. don't waste your there time you talking start to me. There. You know, start start with your walk with him daily. And yeah. a lot a lot of your big problems that you're coming saying, What do I do with my marriage? Well, mm-hmm. are you are you how are you with Jesus? Uh oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, so yeah. I think a lot of pastors get burned out because
1: that's a yeah. big part of. And pastors' wives too. I got. Oh yeah. A- yeah. I may oh, or yeah. may not have gotten a little burned out <clears throat> at the end. Um, I definitely. I mean, I feel I didn't notice that I was until we mm. moved to this next ministry in our life. How br- truly burned out I was. His, well, serving outside your gifting to speak- too. Yeah, well, yeah. Teaching, yeah. I mean, overseeing the children's ministry, and the thing about our personalities because he's so reserved and he's upfront, mm-hmm. some people would approach him with their problems, but most mm-hmm. people approached me. Mm-hmm. Um, even up to a year after we left the church, I still had people well. messaging me when they needed help or
0: mm-hmm.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: A direction, or it was it was me that got the texts in the middle of the night or the calls for help. Yeah, yeah. It was, so it was a lot. It was a lot mm-hmm. because I juggled a lot of balls as, as women in ministry is different mm-hmm. than men. Men typically get to just do their job. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're over the family, but they get to do their job. And as women, yeah. we tend to have to juggle more. I don't, that's yeah. just, that's just how more multitasking. is. The family. Yeah. yeah. The family is our main ministry. Our family right. is. And so doing that as well as, you know, keeping all our home things. together, everything, that mm-hmm. all aspects of our home um, mm-hmm. Cleaning, feeding, mm-hmm. and even the yard maintenance—we had two acres. Mm-hmm. I, I did. I was. I did all of that. Plus, I worked no. my jobs and homeschooled our children, and ran the children's ministry, and helped out in several different ministries and other churches as well. Yeah. I think I allowed myself to be overcommitted. Yeah. A bit, which is yeah. easy to do, especially my personality. Some personalities yeah. we tend towards like have a hard time saying no when it's something yeah. we like or yeah. want to do. I really wanted to say no to the children's ministry, but I had a hard time saying no to ministries that I liked
4: and Mm -hmm, things that mm -hmm. I liked.
1: So I overcommitted myself and definitely got burned out.
4: Mm
0: -hmm,
2: mm -hmm. I think I'm good at saying no. So maybe that's my secret. (laughs)
0: <laughs> be okay saying no more but it's i think I, I, it's just harder in general for ladies <laughs> we we say yes a lot yeah well <laughs> at least know, for I, me too <laughs> i
2: think another key that helped us and maybe just helped me was we we we'd make a point of getting away um mm, that was something good. that we do we still try to do we yeah, haven't been able to do, do, it do as that. much mm-hmm. but but is to to make a point of like just us um mm-hmm. you know to to, and it's a, to me, it's a big reset for us. A lot of times we come back and we're able to reset with the kids and reset life right. and just get away from uh, that routine, especially in a church situation. It's really easy as a pastor to get in the routine where, you know, I preach on Sunday. I'm off on mm-hmm. Monday. Tuesday, I start my sermon or I prepare for Wednesday night Bible study. You know, Thursday and Friday, I do my sermon. Saturday, I make sure it's all buttoned up. Sunday, I preach it and then you just mm-hmm. get into that.
0: Yeah, that, that
2: spiral at, and and um, and so it's really it's really I, and I especially get into that. So it was it mm-hmm. was always good to to get away and and take the breath and re-examine and say, oh man, I've been just on maintenance mode or cruise control, mm-hmm. just kind of mm-hmm. going along doing the same things. So I think that's really helpful, and I think a lot of churches, uh, a lot of churches have these weird expectations of pastors where it's like. Like when we first went to Paonia, the the eldership said, we want to make, we want you to make sure you take a day off every week. And I said, well, I'll be taking two days off (laughs) every week because what, what's, you know, but a lot of churches, their expectation is your pastor gets a day off one day off. And
1: And Mike being bivocational, Mike, um, the last few years, he never got a day off. He, whenever he wasn't doing (laughs) church stuff, he was working. You were doing other stuff. Yeah. He literally worked seven days a week. Wow. So thinking about, like, all those
0: different jobs that you did, your growing family, the church, how, what did your, like, day-to-day relationship with Jesus look like? How did you spend time with him? What did it look like in that season when you just were so busy?
1: Well, for me, it's always been the same. Mm. I get up in the morning and I spend time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And uh, nowadays, it's all on my front porch every day. Mm. And... Mm. (laughs) You know, when the children are small, that's more complicated because once they're yeah. awake, they don't leave you alone. Yeah. So just having to spend time with the Lord for me it was before the kids wake up. Mm-hmm. And so my goal in parenting was to teach my kids to stay in bed till a reasonable hour so that I could. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, I, had, I had to do that. I had to be very intentional. A lot of people mm-hmm. like like you have your Small children in your room with you, you really don't yeah. have an option. It's a little bit um, harder, but it's just uh, the training was very important to me for my kids mm-hmm. to be okay until about eight a.m. every morning, mm-hmm. and so they stayed in their bed whether they were asleep or awake till eight a.m. So that made a big difference for me to be able to spend time with the Lord. But I'm a morning yeah. time with the Lord person. Mike is different. Mm-hmm. He um, he does it in the evening usually, mm-hmm. and I don't know. I don't know how he does it. He does it. I can't do it in the evening. By then my brain's shut off and I, it's turned to mush. <laughs> I'm done. Yes. Yeah. There's, you know, children and everything is like, boo, 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 in your yeah, brain. Yeah, all day and long. And then, then I'm like, done. I just want to not. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's God. how I am
1: too.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, so for, for me, um, most recently has been the biggest change because when I was, uh, when I was a youth pastor, I would, I spent, so much time putting together lessons I did you know I did a Sunday school lesson and I did a Wednesday night lesson and then the last couple of years I did a Sunday night lesson for for like third through sixth graders and mm-hmm. so I was putting together Bible studies and they weren't just uh, like when I first started off I just used prepackaged stuff but mm-hmm. I realized mm-hmm. pretty quickly I didn't that wasn't my thing
1: mm-hmm. and so
2: since I was teaching through a book of the Bible I, I what I would do was I would pick a book, and when I first started off, I picked books that I I knew well. So I'm mm. like, okay, we're gonna do John. But then I I said, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna continue to push myself and take on the tougher ones. And yeah. so I would uh, it was it was a lot of it was kind of my Bible education. I would study mm. my backside off all week, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then tell them what I learned on Sunday. And yeah. I would just keep picking different books of the Bible. I did pro- probably as a youth minister. I probably did I probably did about half. Half of the Bible, verse by verse, Um, and I and uh, toward the end we were doing a study for college students. As I was doing a lot of study to teach, Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: and one of the things I'd heard a lot when I'd started pastoring was was don't just make your time with Jesus about studying for your sermons, Mm -hmm. and and what I think a lot of times what pastors or when people talk about that what they're saying is. Don't just read it in light of your congregation. Don't just yeah. think about, this is what my congregation needs to hear. This is what they need to hear. Uh, yeah. And I think a lot of it is when you do expository teaching and preaching, it's different because it's not, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a topic that's relevant to my people. It's yep. every topic comes up. Things you would never, you know, when teaching yeah. Timothy with the youth group, I'm teaching mm-hmm. about church leadership mm-hmm. to kids in that are teenagers. Well, yeah. I thought this is kind of weird, but. Now they know it, you know, mm-hmm. and so it was really good for me because uh, I I really never wanted to be a hypocrite where uh, where I'd get up and teach something I wasn't willing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had to be willing. If if I got up and taught it, I better be willing to do it. And yeah. so the big the big challenge for me was after I was w- once we came to where I am now, when I'm not doing three Bible studies a week or a sermon every week, my study time went way down, just dropped mm. to, you know, just reading a little bit here and there in the evenings. And to the point where I realized, like, I, I don't, I don't have to dig as deep.
4: Mm-hmm. I, don't ha-
2: I can, I can do Bible study like most people do, I guess, which is when you read a verse you don't understand, just move on to the next one. And mm-hmm. where I didn't, where I used to have to stop and be like, okay, I've got to explain this to kids next week, <laughs> yeah, what does I this better, mean? you know, and then I taught them to ask questions. So yeah. I would expect them to go like, wait, 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 what does this word mean? Mm-hmm, what, mm-hmm. what, what's the significance of this place name? You know, So, mm-hmm. so what I, what I've done in the last two years is I just started a podcast, a, a daily podcast where I am basically doing a Bible teaching and mm-hmm. um, truth be told, it's mostly for me. Um, if I, I think I have Isn't two regular list. I have like two regular listeners who may just have their phone set to download daily, yeah, um, and no, never listen. I don't know. It doesn't matter because it's it's kind of what I need to do to continue yeah. to to force myself
0: mm-hmm. to
2: to study hard.
0: I mean, thinking of like like you just were saying, now you're doing something so different from. Leading a church full time, so four years ago, you guys decided to move back to Rawhide Ranch. What what was that decision like? Why did you guys decide to make that move?
1: Speaking of my time on the porch with the Lord every morning, one morning <laughs> I was pray- I was praying and um, I just like had a vision. It wasn't like a oh, I just yeah. all of a sudden just start envisioning our family working at Rawhide with our kids, mm-hmm. which we didn't have when we were here before. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that would never happen. They told us to leave. <laughs> mm-hmm. So God must be calling us to camp ministry again, because we've always mm-hmm. loved camp ministry. We mm-hmm. took our kids mm-hmm. to camp all 17 years that we were in Colorado to Camp Christian, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. the camp that we went to. And um, so I was like, oh, we must be must be, be needing supposed to do that again. So mm-hmm. I eventually told Mike that God told me that. And, then yeah. and yes. then, yeah, yeah, not much longer after that, the director of Ride like, messaged Mike and asked him if maybe he would be interested in He'd coming interested. back. And I was like, "Well, well. yep." Apparently,
2: yeah. <laughs> we are. Yeah, it was. It was, it so was quite. Crazy. It was quite shocking because because yeah. the way it kind of played out was Holly saying to me, "Have you ever thought about us getting back into full time ministry?"
3: Mm-hmm. And
2: or full-time yeah. camp ministry. And mm. and I had just set up a website, like try to do some self-promotion to go speak at more camps. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, and so I said, yeah, I have. And, and so I went on a camp website and I found a camp that was looking for uh, a person to do basically everything I knew how to do. Like it was, yeah. the job description was perfect. And yeah. so I applied and never heard back. And Holly, every once in a while she'd say, have you, talk, have you heard from them? No. So I sent them my resume again, never heard from them. And so um, we were having a conversation with, a with our worship leader and Holly told the story about having this vision of us working at camp. And I, somehow I, either she told me and I didn't remember or whatever, but, but I was like, wait, you had a, a vision of this. And,
1: and so I was
2: <laughs> one night we were sitting in bed and she, and she was on her computer editing photos and I was doing Facebook and she, uh, she just said something about like, have you considered, you know, more about full-time camp ministry and i said something along the lines of like i'm not going to go looking i looked at the mm-hmm. website i see this job but I'm, you know what i'm not going to go search it out and then i don't know if it was 10 minutes later or whatever maybe my memory might not be right but the the message from my from the guy who's the director here at the camp now popped up saying he might have, you ever thought of getting back into camp ministry oh my gosh and uh
0: <laughs> isn't and god so crazy <laughs> yeah
2: you know and so so and, and so when i told holly about what the message was about. Cause she saw all of a sudden I went to typing and she was like, what you, what was that all about? You, and I said, you know, it's Coop saying, you know, you ever want to get back into camp ministry? And she, and she said, Mike, when I had that vision of us working at camp, it was at Rawhide. And at that point I went like, Oh boy, here we go. I got to sell yeah. everything. Here we go and, again. And here
0: we go again, Holly. And, <laughs> you and your and, visions.
2: <laughs> and here we wanted, here you know, here we wanted to get back into camp ministry, but it's, it wasn't, a, it was still the same owners. It was not, yeah. A wow. Christian camp. Uh, and the exciting thing for us now is that a year ago, uh, the ranch was sold, and the new owners are a Christian family hmm. who who said in our first meeting with them that the gospel needs to be a part of what we do here.
4: Wow.
3: Which,
2: which to us is so cool, because for the for honestly, yeah. for the first three years there was a lot of times where I was like, did we, are we doing? Did we make a are,
3: mistake? Are, are, yeah.
2: There was, especially during COVID, and I was out there raking goat poop every day, yeah. going like, Lord, what am I doing? <laughs> yeah. What am I doing here? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, and it's one of those things, again, where we had that confidence that we were where God wanted us to be. So it was like, all right, Lord, you you know, you know, because mm-hmm. this makes no sense to me. And now we're mm-hmm. going like, oh, okay. You just wanted to get the staff in place before you brought the new ownership in because
0: exactly.
2: that doesn't make sense. And and God loves to do things where we look back and go like, that makes no sense apart from the Lord. right? It makes yep. no sense. And the, the bigger picture with how our, how the director who's here now, who's a former pastor, how he got the job is also kind of one of those crazy hmm. things where you go, there that makes no sense, but now it does. So like, oh, of course. Yeah. Uh, the, the thing that would make sense is you get a Christian ownership and then they bring in Christians to run the camp rather than yep. a bunch of Christians the working at around. a camp going like, what are we doing here? And then yeah. the ownership coming in going <laughs> like, oh, I'm so glad that God brought you together to do what I want to do. So
0: Right. That's amazing. That's how you can say, hey, this had nothing to do with me. It had nothing to do mm-hmm. with the new ownership. Mm-hmm. It had everything to do with just God. Wanting to make yeah, make things and we happen.
1: liked our church. We weren't like wanting to leave.
2: Oh, we, yeah, 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 it was hard
1: leaving them. Yeah, yeah it was. That yeah. was one
2: of those things that that was really strange because you know the the it just it just didn't seem like like the it just didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. But it doesn't have to. You mm-hmm, know, but mm-hmm. but we yeah, you know, I I when I talk to people about you know possible pastors taking over, I was like, this is if you want to take on it, this is great. You know all the politics and drama that people complain about at the church. It does. There isn't any here. Yeah, (laughs) the people are great. You know, Um, and it was tough because that church, after about a year, uh, they closed down. They closed their Mm. doors, and that Mm. was one of those things that was really hard for me because of the you know because the investment we made again to be looking back when like okay Lord did we did we did we decide there were signs where there weren't really signs? Did we make the right move here?
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there was, there was, for me that, that came up a lot of times where I had to mm-hmm. be like, all right, Lord, I, I'm, we're both confident. So we're trusting you with this one.
0: Yeah. 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 Even when it feels a little unknown. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about living at Rawhide and how it's provided opportunities for you guys to live missionally. What does that look like for you guys? Mm mm-hmm.
1: A lot, um, mm-hmm. a lot of opportunities. I mean, yeah. when we moved here, the director was a believer, and that was it. It was mm-hmm. us and a bunch of working with a bunch of people and living with mm-hmm. a bunch of people that didn't know the Lord. And it, mm-hmm. it was a little hard at first, mm-hmm. a lot hard because we live in an old barn that's transitioned into a two-bedroom, one-bathroom apartment <laughs> with our family of five, which you understand how that is. Yeah. It's it <laughs> tight, but it's not just that yeah. it's tight. It's that we had single, unsaved staff living above us that can hear every word we say in our house. And if mm-hmm. you walk by our our house, you can hear most everything that's going on in our house. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, <laughs> everything we do has to reflect the love of God, which we should be anyways. You're oh, held so to uh, a standard, you know, because everybody sees everything we do. How we, right. am, we are in a personally in our family. Yeah. How we speak to each other, how we do everything mm-hmm. is observed mm-hmm. by everybody we live with. There's mm-hmm. like 26 people that live on this ranch and everybody hears everything. Mm-hmm. And so that was a little process because normally when you're in your own home, you have privacy. You're able to... Yeah. Talk about things privately. Mm -hmm. I mean, we aren't a family that really fights. Um, Mike and I are not fighters. We don't argue or bicker. And but our kids, on the other hand, are kids, and they're good at it. They're really good at fighting. (laughs) I know that too. (laughs) And I had gotten in the last few months before we moved, I had gotten in the habit of raising my voice, which is never, and Mike Mm. and I are not yellers, but because Mm. they weren't listening, I'd raise my voice to talk to them and we couldn't do that. I had to drop that cold turkey, that new bad habit, because, Mm. um, having unsaved people hear you yell at your kids is not a good way to live missionally. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I had to, which is good. That was good. God's way of nipping that one in the bud right there, Yeah, because um, I've always been a face value person. What you see is what Mm. you get. How I am in private is the same in public for the most part. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have like, Mm -hmm. I won't, you know, burp loudly in public, but I will at home. (laughs) Those kind of things. But generally I am who I am, but just um, starting those bad habits that could have happened. God had to nip that in the bud now that we Mm. live with people who are watching us like an eagle. Like, mm-hmm, oh,
4: mm-hmm.
1: you said that, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Another big one, um, living missionally here is our kids. Because it's not a Christian camp, it, unchurched kids are here all the time. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. our kids are have been exposed to things we never wanted our children exposed to. So we homeschool yeah. them for a reason. yeah, And um, they've been exposed to a lot of worldliness and a lot of issues, mm-hmm. which has helped us in our process of teaching them. Mm-hmm, about mm-hmm. living out loud and living with integrity. It's been complicated. It's been a lot, hasn't it? We've mm-hmm. failed. Um, we've messed up. And yep. we just had to get up and keep going and start and not let that, like, well, me, I tend to internalize and get be really hard on myself when I mess up. And you can't let shame, we're forgiven. So when you mess up, mm-hmm. God's forgiven us. Jesus died for that. Yep. And we have to be humble and admit it and move forward.
2: We're building relationships. It's taken a lot of time. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And
2: and one of the things I I said a lot when I first got here was it's a big ship to turn um, to to take the whole camp back to where, like, (laughs) Jesus is welcome, um, where you can say his name. Um, That's been a big part of what my job is, and that's not popular. Uh, It's not necessarily popular with all the kids that come to camp. It's not popular with a lot of the kids that grew up coming to camp that are now, like, summer staff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them are like, "Why does why do you have to mention Jesus every time?"
1: they face a lot of you know, opposition in you, that
2: every time you yeah. talk about to kids because I talk to the kids about integrity during our summer camp, and I'll tell them mm-hmm. integrity is important to me because I'm a Christian. I follow a God of truth, and mm-hmm. uh, we had a lot, uh, quite a few of them that were really not um, receptive to that, and mm-hmm. were challenging in it. And of course, mm-hmm. the good thing was the big boss said, "Like, hey, um, if Mike's talking about integrity and you're telling." him that he can't tell the truth about why integrity is important to him. That's Mm -hmm. not integrity. Right. So, so, you know, I know he's got my back. Um, and so that's kind of my role is, uh, I get to continue to push the envelope, you know, Mm -hmm. and, Mm -hmm. um, and continue to, uh, to slowly, but surely over the last three summers to where I think now it's to most of the kids that come to camp, I've been doing this as long as they've been coming. So they've mm. heard me say that there. It's not a shock. Like, why is he saying yep. that? They just know all oh, that. Now they're the
0: used staff. to it. Mm-hmm.
3: You know,
2: and, and the staff as well. And I think they know that I'm, they've gotten to the point where they know I'm not going to beat them over the head with it. Um, yep. But that I'm not afraid to talk with them about it. And that, yep. uh, and that I've made it my goal from the first day I was here to be the guy who says, how do I help you? How? how mm-hmm. What can I do to make your life easier?
3: Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm.
2: And And most of them at the beginning were very much like, He's trying to, he wants my job um, mm-hmm. or he's, you know, whatever. And I think now they realize like, no, he, he doesn't want my job, but he's, he, he will help me with my job. So,
4: yeah. Yeah. Um,
2: that, and that's been very deliberate.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, you know, we, the, And to me, that's important. Uh, in, Intentionality is important. You know,
0: it, I think that's I a think that's huge one word. Things. Just being intentional. <laughs> yeah. So you guys have three beautiful girls who are also crazy busy. <laughs> Every time I look on Facebook, they're off doing all different kinds of things. How have you guys been really intentional about discipling them?
1: Well, well, it's just a way of life for us. The kids, Mm -hmm. I mean, being a homeschool parent, it's, you're, you're with them 24 seven. And so, yeah. but as you can see, there's just, it's just part of life is teaching them and, Mm -hmm. um, I was doing Bible time with the girls, but now Mike's been doing it in the morning. He d- used to do it in the evening before bed. So in be- mm-hmm. the last thing they hear was talking about God's word with their daddy mm-hmm. before bed. And then
3: mm-hmm. it
1: just changes it transitions. So now they're yeah. starting their day while they eat breakfast, talking about mm-hmm. God's word with him. Mm-hmm. And it's just a lot of like one on one talk, like just talking them about things and how they can handle situations and mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, and modeling our love for the Lord to them. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's really good. It's
1: it's just a daily practice. It, we made it our goal in parenting our kids that we would live everything we say to them. Because we have a mm-hmm. little, I was talking about the, here at camp, we have everybody watching our lives. They can't yep. miss it because we're there, but it's, our kids really can't miss it. And I yeah. think a lot of pastors' kids or missionary kids uh, fall away from the Lord because um, in ministry, it's so easy to focus on your ministry and forget your mm-hmm. main ministry, which is your kids okay. and um, mm-hmm. the priority you need to put on them. They are more important than being a missionary. They are more important than being a pastor.
3: Mm-hmm. They
1: are they are our main priority. And so they watch how you live. And so mm-hmm. how you mm-hmm. live is vital. So that's how we disciple our kids is by walking with the Lord and talking about it. And I was reading a uh, a book called Mama Bear Apologetics and it talked about um, about saying things so much. Um, truth is often mistaken for repetition and so mm. our kids hear the same messages over and over when they're in the world mm. or watching TV. And so as parents, we need to use that repetition with truth and actually speak truth over and over until they roll their eyes or are like, oh my goodness, we know. Stop saying that. You always say that. Um, that should be our goal. As parents, whether we're in ministry or not, is... <laughs> Uh, speak the truth to your kids over and over and live the truth Yeah, yeah.
0: Over, yeah. And over and over I think that's exactly what missional living is it's living life in front of people in a way that honors Jesus and does that doesn't necessarily mean like Jesus has to come out of your mouth every two seconds it's just what is what does life look like when I love Jesus I have to love my kids I've gotta you know teach them well I've gotta love the people next to me and around me Mm-hmm. That's really good how how have you taught them to live missionally i mean you guys have pretty much lived kind of as missionary pastors for years how how have they learned to live missionally and to demonstrate each of their own talents to the to the glory of god
1: well it's hard it it can be hard at times um for me it was before we go into a social setting and talking them through what we expect of them and what their job is. And on Sundays here, Mike does a chapel for the Girl Scouts, which are unchurched, mostly unchurched people and mm-hmm. um, just bringing them into our ministry. So he's brought them into it. And even when he was a pastor, we had them be a part of it, help with stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so but they help him do the chapel for the kids. So they get up on stage mm-hmm. with him and help lead the singing. And um, that's their main part of our ministry that they do. But it's not just Mm -hmm. that. Our oldest one has embraced it on her own after Mm -hmm. walking her through it. You know, I'm like, look around, look for the person that's by themselves Mm -hmm. and go talk to them Mm -hmm. and be Christ to them. You talk to them, ask them questions Mm -hmm. and get to know them. Don't don't Mm -hmm. worry about being in with the popular kids because they you know, they will often reject you if you're not living the way they think is cool. And so instead focus on the kids that are needy. And so she's Mm -hmm. really adopted that. That's her thing, which it doesn't matter. Even here, if she sees a kid off by themselves, she'll go plop down next to him and talk to him Mm -hmm. and get to know him. Mm -hmm. She doesn't necessarily talk about the Lord, um, but she gets to know them, shows them that they're seen and loved.
0: Yeah. And so she's adopted that on her own, but
1: it took a little work and I'm working Mm -hmm. on the next one because the next one's more shy and introverted, Mm -hmm. very much like Mm -hmm. her dad. Mm. And so it's a different (laughs) process for her. Right. (laughs) Like approaching people is not easy for her. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's just each kid is different. So learning their strengths and teaching them to use the gifting God gave them for his glory Mm -hmm. is my is my what's important to me. Mm.
2: And Mm. so we we decided like, okay that our kids need to be involved in. The ministry in some way, whether that's yeah. having them on the stage helping with worship when they were, you know, our <laughs> oldest when she was little, she would be up there, you know, singing at the top of her lungs. And uh, whatever it was, I didn't want it to be, well, daddy, it's daddy's the pastor, and mm-hmm. I just I'm the pastor's kid, but I wanted them to have a part uh, right. in it, and so so they are a big part of what we do, and I try to stress to them like that. The chapel that I do for the kids, a lot of it is me doing my thing. But it, mm-hmm. when they're not here, it's not the same. It's yeah, not the yeah. same. P- you know, yeah. the, the the kids respond to our silly songs and dances way differently when my girls are <laughs> when up they've there, got too. some kids
0: to follow you know, along with. Yeah, and
2: we've got kind of our little comedy intro thing that they do, but. But I try to to I try to mention to them every time I have a Girl Scout leader or a kid come up to me and say, "Oh, that you know chapel was so fun this morning." To tell them like mm. Look, that we're not raising our kids like to be grown ups in ministry. We we want them mm-hmm. to to understand that they're doing it now. Yeah, that you know, and and I I pointed out to especially my middle daughter like kids will see her because kids come to camp year after year.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: Well, every year they've come, she's been here. And so I'm like, yeah. you know, you're part, you're part of their experience.
0: Exactly. When they see
2: you and they're like, Hey, Hey. And they call your name. Don't just kind of be like, I don't remember you, uh, but be like, Hey, you know, <laughs> because that, that means something to them. And, right. And, right. and the place we work is such an, a unique place. It's like walking, mm-hmm. you know, into the old West and yeah. the things they do here are so unique that it becomes a memory
4: mm-hmm. that
2: they're going to hold on to. And so the things they hear, the things that they hear here, even though it might be a little thing about the Lord, Mm -hmm. it's a, it's a little thing that, that they are going to take because it's part of this big memory experience. And so I I try to, I try to continually point out to my kids, like, don't miss that. This is what you do is important. And, uh, uh, and so for me also, it's looking at my kids and saying, okay, what's their, what's their giftedness and Mm -hmm, how do we, mm -hmm. how do we teach them to use that? So, yeah, but uh, yeah. but like holly said the biggest thing is it starts with my relationship with the lord her relationship with the lord second thing is our relationship yeah third thing is then our kids and yeah. we see so many people it becomes my ministry first then my relationship yep. with the lord or my relationship yep. with the lord my relationship with my kids then my spouse and just that yep. little thing out of order um, yep. dis- can disrupt so much of their lives
4: um yeah, you know, yeah. Putting, you know and it
1: doesn't work right god created it a certain way and if we don't do it yeah. in the right order nothing is going to be right something's going right. to fall by the wayside mm-hmm. or be the victim of your disorder in your life yeah so god yeah. marriage min- kids, kids ministry yeah. yep ministry is last go. in that lineup
0: mm-hmm. i love that i love that
2: yes yeah, so, so I heard somebody- oh go ahead uh, just I was just say I've heard it said that ministry is a great place to hide because it looks like you're doing great things for the Lord while you're avoiding your own life and you're avoiding your That's, own issues.
0: That can be very true. Yeah. Yeah. I have two closing questions. My first is this in the spirit of the in-between. What is one thing that God is teaching you right now?
1: Uh, I think the biggest thing currently God is teaching me is about gratitude Mm. I was doing a study on gratitude and probably the most impactful for me is not just being grateful for the the wins, the good things that you see, Mm. the successes in my Mm -hmm. ministry, my family and elsewhere, but to be grateful for the hard stuff. We've had some hard stuff going on with our teenager and and our job. There's always the hard stuff and just being intentional to thank him for those hard things. Mm. So that is what he's been teaching me to not just go, oh, I got to get through this. This is tough, but yeah. to be thankful for it.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. What about uh, you, for, Mike? For me,
2: yeah, for, for me, I, I know exactly what it is. It's been, especially <laughs> this this week has been like, or the last two weeks, maybe one word over and over, and, and that's uh, discipline. The The definition I heard the other day was discipline is doing what you should instead of doing mm. what you feel. Mm. And, and I, and I don't know who said it, um, probably some pastor who said it, who ripped it off from other, some other pastor who said it, who <laughs> ripped it off from some other pastor who said it. But I, I like that because, yeah. uh, because we we live in, in a, we live in a culture in the United States where right now it's all about how you feel, what you feel mm-hmm. like, that's what you mm-hmm. are. Um, mm-hmm. and how you feel is, you know, do what you feel is best. Do what you feel is mm-hmm. right. Do what you feel. And, uh, and there's that story struggle um in all of us between you know who are believers between our old the old man and the new man the old me and and the one who's trying to live for the lord and the old me is saying well this is what i feel like doing
4: Mm. and
2: the new man says this is what i'm this is what i should do this is what god's calling me to do this is what i ought to do and so that's the that's the word that's been on my heart for the last two weeks and i think my my co-workers are getting annoyed with me for bring this up like are we doing what we should do are we doing what what we feel like doing that's been that's been my big lesson lately
0: that's good that's good all right a fun way to close up what is something that really makes
1: you laugh usually my (laughs) husband (laughs) i know he's funny (laughs) i don't know just um I think it's easy to get bogged down in parenting, and so Mm. just really enjoying the one-liners our kids come up with, and just (laughs) really, um, last night, my nine-year-old, my 13-year-old stormed out, slammed the door, and the nine-year-old looked at me and said, Mom, if a mood ring was real, she would have made it explode. (laughs) 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 You know, just enjoy (laughs) it. She's just got so much personality. those one-liners. That's
0: so funny. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's awesome.
1: Fi- finding the joy in, yep. in the heart. I mean, it was not in fun hard, having my teenagers storm yeah. out and slam the door, but... Uh, gotta laugh at the one-liners. Yep, that's right.
2: Well, I think for I think for me, it's mostly my, my wife's the one that makes me laugh the most. Um, <laughs> there I, you go. Okay, you know, occasionally it's just silly... silly uh, Silly comedy stuff. Last week, we accidentally... Our, our our Alexa accidentally played some songs that were just silly songs, and, and it was so unexpected because we <laughs> asked it to play... We asked it to play one thing, and it played something completely something really different. <laughs> different. And it was like, we were like what? And then it started playing the song, and we were like crying, we were laughing so hard, because it was just out of Good the Good old
1: pee and poop humor.
2: Yeah, it's the old number one and number two stuff. We're like, what? who wrote a song about going who wrote to wrote a pattern? song about
3: this? this?
2: But not only won 14 albums worth oh of songs. Which, oh my gosh.
1: Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So funny. Just, just, just look, up, look up the toilet bowl cleaners, because your oh my life will gosh. be better.
4: Oh, <laughs> your boys will if, probably really enjoy it. If, I'm if sure
1: if they would. If Be you don't mind, that.
2: <laughs> if you don't mind bodily function jokes, noises, oh my <laughs> and jokes, yes,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, so anyway, it, it was oh, it, it was that that was one of those laughing r- really hard, like tears running, you know, running. Yeah, but, yeah. But most of the, most of the time, it's uh, it's just in our relationship, we we're silly stuff, and you know, she makes me laugh. And
0: all right, thank you guys so much for. Coming on my podcast and chatting. This has been like so encouraging to me, just getting to hear more of your story and how God has been so faithful in your life. So well, I'm thank grateful you for that asking you us. Shared.
1: We are always so blessed by the things you share about your ministry, too. So thank you for doing what you're doing in yeah. the hard and fun times. That's right. Hey, <laughs> thank you for
0: listening to the Storied in Between podcast. I would love for you to check out the show notes for this episode, my blog, and more information about this podcast on my website at www.thestoriedinbetween.com. You can find this podcast on Instagram and Facebook at The Storied In Between Podcast. I look forward to hanging out with you again next week when we chat with my friends Jenny, Katie, Bristol, Gina, and Sarah my group of NorCal besties, a group of friends that I did life with when I lived back in the Bay Area of California. Let's close with this final quote by Dan Allender. So take seriously the story that God has given you to live. It's time to read your own life because your story is the one that could set us all ablaze.